Welcome back to I'll Pack My Bags. We've got a great show for you today. If you haven't yet, please give us a subscribe and a review. It helps us heaps to not only keep making the show, but then we can make it better. I'm your host, Erin. Today on the pod, we are chatting with Annabelle, and we are going to talk about that thing that we all have feelings. Hi, Annabelle. Hi. <laughs> Annabelle is the curator and artist behind the multimedia project Connection, which is all about, you guessed it, human connection. Um, what else do you do? Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking about this question today, actually. Um, I'm also a content manager uh, for a company called Last Draft Inc. Um, so basically, I do all things with words, and I write. Um, yeah, I just write a lot during my day, which is great. I love writing. Uh, and I'm also one eighth of a community home member um, in Toronto, which is super awesome. nice. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm especially excited to have you here because you were born in Mexico City. Um, and at the end of the show, Annabelle is going to tell us about some insider tips on where to go and what to see and do there, which is super exciting. Okay, but Erin, do you have anything on your mind lately? Yes. I recently, okay, remember Rashid, who was on the podcast? He talked about Cuba with us. Yeah. So Rashid is half Kenyan. And literally for years, he's been like, you and Luke need to come to Kenya. You need to come to Kenya. And I was hanging out with him the other weekend, and he brought it up again. And I was like, oh man, it's been going on for so long. Like, I probably should go to Kenya. But I feel very conflicted because Lucas and I have wanted to go back to India for years. And now I feel like I have to choose. And I need someone to convince me that, like, we should go to Kenya instead. Because we'll see cool animals. And... I actually don't know that much about Kenya, so I need like someone who's listening who's been there. Please message me and tell me like why should I pick Kenya over India? Because we can't do both. It's too expensive. It's one or the other. Anyways, this has been creating a lot of conflict in my mind this week. Um, Lucas and I argue about it a lot. <laughs> That's such a privileged thing to argue about. But yes, this is my life. Um, okay. So what do I mean by feelings? That's pretty broad. Um, and I think that that can mean something different depending on who you're talking to. And actually, I recently wrote an article about mental health while traveling, because when I think of feelings, I do think a lot about mental health. Um, and it got me thinking about the array of human emotions that we experience while we're abroad. So that can range from like culture shock and just general anxiety to homesickness, or even like extreme excitement or happiness, elatedness. But there tends to be an overwhelming trend of always associating travel with positive feelings, when in reality, I feel like we're just as susceptible to low feelings when we travel as when we are at home. Um, so I would actually argue that we are more susceptible to feeling low when we travel because our minds are overstimulated and we're being exposed to new and sometimes challenging things. For today, I wanted to focus on long-term travel and moving and the feeling of homesickness. Um, and I thought that Annabelle was the perfect person to chat to about this because she's not originally from Toronto, she's from another country, and because her artwork literally focuses on human connection. Um, so tell us about where you were born and how you ended up in Canada. So I was born in Mexico City, and uh, I, I grew up there um, until like my whole life, and I spent... Um, <laughs> I've answered this question so many times, and now it's just like, wait, where was I born? 
<laughs> right. I was born in Mexico City. Uh-huh. My family's from French originally, though, so that created this kind of interesting dynamic where I was oh. in Mexico and growing up in Mexico, uh, but at home, uh, we were very culturally French. So oh. I, yeah. Do you, Did you speak not know French? That? No, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. I'm French. Yeah, I'm Franco-Mexican. Um, so I have, like, oh, a twist. Wait, is that common? Uh, I mean, sort of, actually. More than you would think. It's a little bit more than you would think. Okay. So, so yeah, I have a bit of, of both, uh, but I did grow up in Mexico, and I didn't move away until uh, after high school, so I moved uh, at 18 to go study abroad, and um, yeah, so that was in 2011 when I left, and I chose Canada a little bit randomly. I don't know if you want me to get into that now, or um, you save can. that for later. Go with the flow. Yeah, yeah okay. So I chose, um, there was actually... It was a very random selection. I knew I wanted to move away and to go abroad uh, because one day I was sitting in traffic and it had been probably like an hour and a half uh, to take a journey that would usually last 20 minutes. Mm. And I was just so done with it. I was just done with being so congested and stuck and how every, every kind of movement required so much effort and so much time. Uh, so I decided I wanted to move in a car. But to choose Canada was was a little bit random, and it actually happened uh, at the supermarket one day. I was shopping with my sister for some, like I think it was like little containers for Jello shots or something like that, because she was, <laughs> she was having a, a going away party. Uh, and something you should know, my sister and I actually speak French together, uh, so we were at this store and like chatting in French, and this uh, this woman approached us. Uh, and she was accompanied by this uh, girl who looked about my age uh, and who looked very embarrassed also. Mm. And she approached us and was like, hey, like, my name is Pascal and this is my daughter, Sophie Charlotte. And we actually just moved uh, around the corner from Quebec and we don't know anybody yet. Like, we just heard you speaking French. Like, we're wondering who you are and, and like, what's your deal and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, so we ended up inviting her to my sister's going away party and becoming good friends and so that's how I heard of Canada and Quebec specifically, because before that, I think I quote that I had said something like, ah, Canada is just like this frozen tundra land. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know what I would go do over there. Um, but from that meeting, I ended up uh, moving to Montreal. Oh, I used to live in Montreal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where I spent the first three years uh, that I was in Canada. I went to McGill. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to Concordia. Nice. Yeah. And how'd you end up in Toronto? Yeah, so then, uh, so I was in Montreal for my whole undergrad, uh, which I loved, and I made really, really close friends there. And uh, after that, I kind of wanted to rediscover kind of my French roots, so I went to Paris for a year, uh, but I didn't, I didn't love it, and um, I moved there with my partner, who's originally from Victoria. Mm. So when we were looking into master's degrees, uh, we moved back to Victoria together. And I was there for three years. And Victoria is really beautiful. Like, BC is amazing. And there's the mountains and the ocean and all that. But coming from Mexico City, it was pretty small. Mm. And it started feeling small pretty quickly. Uh, so at one point, it just we just decided that we wanted a bit of a change. And uh, some of my close friends from McGill were actually living in Toronto and going to UFT. So we decided to move here, mostly for community. And that's how we ended up in the eight-person house. Nice. In August. So it's very new. I've been here for six months. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. It's actually very natural progression, I find, for people in Montreal to end up in Toronto. So how long have you been in Canada total? So I guess, so I moved in 2011, but then I had that one-year hiatus. Are, are you good at math? 
It's 2019 now. About eight years. Eight years. Eight years. <laughs> and if a year's a hiatus, then seven. Let's say seven. Seven. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a long time. Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's starting to get up there in the numbers. Are you a permanent resident? No. When no. are you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're going to talk about this later. Is that a weird way to put it? <laughs> I like it. Uh, I've just applied for permanent residency like two months ago, and it's a year-long process, and it's been a little bit of a pain. But yeah. right now, uh, I was on student visas, and uh, now I'm like on a post-graduation work visa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like an open work permit that I have for three years. So you're on the brink. You're going to be Canadian. Uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> We're going to let you in. Thanks. Um, so when you first arrived here, tell us about like how it felt when you landed in Montreal. Was that the first time you traveled by yourself? Uh, no, no. I, I'd done quite a bit of traveling. And actually, my mom came with me okay. uh, to like settle me in and okay. because she was very good friends with these um, these people we met, uh, like the parents of that girl we met in the supermarket. Right. And so she wanted to come and visit them and like see where I was going to be, which was really nice. But uh, <laughs> I don't know what I thought. Like, I'd never been to Canada. I'd never been to Montreal. Like, when I moved, it was just all going to be brand new. It's not like I visited and then decided to go. What time of year did you move? Uh, it was end of August, like August 27th. So the weather hadn't gone bad yet. Oh, still. So that's the thing. So August 27th in Montreal is hot. It's, like, still pretty yeah. hot. But in my mind, I guess it wasn't. So I was wearing just, like, black pants and, like, a shirt and then, like, a plaid, like, red plaid thing that I thought yeah. looked super Canadian. I was like, I'm going to be so in, you know. I'm going to fit right in. Fit right in. And, and I landed. It was like, oh, like, whew, it's, like, real hot. You know, I'm in this plaid, like, long sleeve. And I, uh, I arrived to, like, we went straight to the res building where I was going to meet my roommates. And it was, it was kind of culture shock right away. Uh, as soon as I opened the door, or she opened the door for me after I knocked, I was just like, hey, like, we're going to be roommates, so excited. And I went in for a hug, and she was just, like, stiff as a board. <laughs> just, just did not know what to do with herself, like, this sweaty Mexican in, like, this long sleeve plaid in August. <laughs> it was very confusing and was very much in her personal space. So that was kind of my first lesson. I yeah. feel like that's actually a stereotype that is often assumed about Canadians that we're like really friendly and welcoming we are but we're also like very cognizant of our personal space yeah. so it's like this weird line I find do you find that Katie like sort of I don't know like I'm always cool with hugs same <laughs> I mean maybe I like, yes! Yes! maybe it's just yeah I don't know I just find like people who travel here, like people that I meet abroad that then come to Canada are always like, wow, Canadians are so friendly. But in my lived experience, like, yes, a lot of them are. But I also have like days where I don't talk to a single other person on the street. And I'm like, why, why are we assumed to be like these really friendly people? Yeah, I think it depends how you like understand friendliness. Mm-hmm. Because there is like, I think there is a true kind of genuine warmth that I have found with my Canadian friends that as you get to know them, it's like friendships can get like quite deep and like, um, you know, like poignant, I guess might be the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not like necessarily an instant kind of warmth. Uh, whereas back home, it's just kind of instant chemistry and just like warm and, and hugs and kisses and just like all of this kind of thing. But mm-hmm. then to make uh, deeper friendships might be like a, maybe more difficult. So I think, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. That's a really difficult. interesting way to put it. And actually that reminds me of, a short anecdote. When I was younger, I used to go to the Netherlands to visit family. My mother, my mother's side of the family is from there. And I would go and stay with Dutch family. 
and I had these younger, they're not actually cousins, but I think of them as cousins, and I'd never met them, um, and met them for the first time, became quite close with them, like, really enjoyed their company, they really looked up to me, they loved that they were meeting, like, a Canadian, and then I remember leaving the last day after spending significant, significant time with these kids, and in Holland, you kiss, so everyone you meet, like, even if you don't know them, it's three kisses on the cheek, so kiss, kiss, kiss. And then, so the kids are doing that to me, but I like naturally went in for a hug and I'll never forget my young cousin. She was like, huh, like pulling back. And I was like, there's something quite funny about this. Cause she thinks for her, a hug is like this weird, you don't do that with someone you've just met. Whereas like three kisses on the cheek, like totally normal. Whereas I think I would be weirded out if I hadn't grown up in a Dutch household if someone like I met for the first time kissed me on the cheek, I'd be like, ooh, mm, like, what are yeah. you doing? <laughs> it's interesting just yeah. like how culturally your perception of like what is a boundary is different. Sure. Yeah. I do miss the cheek kisses though. In Mexico, it's one. In France, it's from like two to four, depending on where you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I do miss that a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when did you, if you did, when did you first feel homesickness? Yeah, I've definitely felt homesickness um, throughout kind of these seven years, and it comes in waves, and I think it has shifted, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about that uh, later, but I think it didn't happen right away, like it didn't happen with that first hug, like I just kind of thought that was funny, and it didn't even happen when my mom left. At that point, I was just kind of excited and kind of ready to take on my new life, Uh, but quickly... I don't know. It's funny because when I left home, like when I was in Mexico, it's my identity wasn't uh, Annabelle, like the Mexican. That that's just what, because everybody like you're in Mexico, everybody has that identity. So that wasn't a big part of my life. And moving to Canada, all of a sudden, that was who I was to people, and that's how people identified me. Mm. And so this idea that I was not. Canadian or, or not at home or further from home just became kind of this identifier. Mm-hmm. So it kept coming up like daily, it would come up and every time I met somebody, it would come up just like, oh, you're not from here. You're not from here. You're from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so that narrative kind of seeps in and, and one day you wake up and just like, oh, like where, yeah, where am I? Like, why, why am I not at home? And so the homesickness mm-hmm. kind of settled in, in like those more subtle ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was like the more tangible things, like I would miss food uh, and I would miss uh, warmth and not just like the weather kind of warmth but that kind of physical touch kind of warmth like that mm. that's something that that I missed quite quickly um, and then a big thing that I started missing beyond things as well was uh, my personality in Spanish or my personality when I speak French changes quite drastically from who I am in English which makes sense like I I learned English in a very academic way and so my my English self is a little bit more like intellectual, mm. whereas I I learned Spanish and like Spanish, I interacted in Spanish with my friends at school like out and about. So like my Spanish is is just more like fun and I'm more playful and I'm more jokey and I'm just more that way and more colloquial. Yeah, I'm assuming like you would know all the lingo exactly. Whereas I've heard like from other friends that I know that have immigrated to Canada, it's hard for them to pick up like the weird lingo that we use in English because we're, we're not speaking like textbook English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So it was like it, it appeared in different ways and at different times and it comes in waves. Uh, but 
but yeah, there's definitely an underlying and and but today it's changed. I don't think I would call it homesickness anymore today. Hmm. Yeah. Do you feel that you're? Do you feel more like this is home now? That's the thing. That's the thing. So the longer I'm away from from what I would have always called home, uh, the more I question like, well, what is what is my home and mm-hmm. and where do I belong? Because I now when I go back to Mexico, there's almost this reverse culture shock where I've integrated so well in Canada and with my Canadian friends that I've kind of picked up these habits and these ways of being that when I go home, it's like I have to relearn uh, what it was like to, to live there and to be from there. Mm-hmm. And so now it's not so much a homesickness, but a, a kind of disconnection from place. Right. Uh, and I don't know that I've necessarily feel like I've rooted down fully in Canada. I think right now I'm in a phase where I'm just, I feel a bit floaty, like kind of like a helium balloon. Which is like not the nicest feeling, but I, but who knows? Like maybe eventually I will feel like this is home. I don't know. I, I feel like I've also been resisting that a little bit because I don't want to be to let Mexico behind and to leave it behind. Yeah. So it's a bit of a tension. There. Yeah. I'm just thinking back to one moment. So my mom was born in Canada, but her parents immigrated from the Netherlands. And they like full heartedly embraced Canadianness. And when they arrived, they got rid of their Dutch passports. They like fully embraced Canadian identity as much as they could and like insisted on speaking English in public, no Dutch in public. They were just very committed to that. And I always wondered about like what kind of connection they felt still with the Netherlands because like growing up it's, it was obvious that they still felt like a sense of home there. But I remember specifically one time going with my mom who speaks fluent Dutch, grew up in a Dutch household, went to the Netherlands like all throughout her life. And the first time that she and I were there together, I remember being surprised because she didn't want to speak Dutch in the grocery store to the teller my mom's gonna hear this story so (laughs) I'm like oh is she gonna be mad but um yeah she was speaking I was telling her mom like why don't you speak Dutch to the teller in the grocery store and she was like no 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 like they can tell right away I'm not really Dutch Mm -hmm. and it was just a moment that I thought like wow there's something kind of sad about that because in a way like she is totally Dutch but only here Mm -hmm. and then when she goes back there she's not Dutch in the same way and she told me it was because like she can't pick up the colloquial parts of the language anymore because she speaks like a very anglicized Dutch Mm -hmm. if that makes sense and I imagine like that must happen too like if you go back to Mexico and there's like new slang you're not always up to date on like the new words that people are using definitely yeah and beyond language like there are other things that change like Mexico doesn't stay fixed in the point of time that I left it Mm -hmm. and so every time I go back I go back maybe once or twice a year twice max yeah every time I go back like the the city looks different like buildings have appeared buildings have come down um you know politics happen new presidents arrive just like all of these things are happening and I'm and yes I'm, I'm keeping track of them but now from a from a perspective of somebody who doesn't live there anymore mm-hmm. and so when I go back it's like a relearning and it's just, it's seeing it from from different eyes and uh, yeah. not from kind of an insider perspective yeah yeah and I imagine there must be moments where you go back and you just for you it's like the way it was when you left and so it must be jarring to go back and like suddenly it's different mm-hmm. whether that be like politically or like aesthetically or like language wise yeah yeah exactly it's, it's just realizing you know this is a this is 
this is a place that changes and, and I'm changing and, I, and we're just not changing together. <laughs> yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about how homeless homesicknessness. <laughs> homesicknessness <laughs> so bad. Let's talk a little bit about how homesickness is defined. Because um, Google Dictionary states that homesickness is a feeling of longing for one's home during a period of absence from it. I find this a very simplistic definition and very like normalized. But homesickness can manifest in really extreme ways as well. So I found a really interesting article from the Huffington Post, which is authored by Caroline Bologna, um, and she consults a clinical psychologist named Joshua Klapow uh, about this, and here's what he says. When we feel homesickness, we feel insecure or uncomfortable with where we are physically and emotionally. We're longing for something that in our minds is known, predictable, consistent, and stable. He notes that the feeling has a little bit to do with the specifics or has little to do with the specifics of your past situation or your current circumstances. So what he means is if you come from a stable or unstable family home, that isn't going to impact the likelihood of you experiencing homesickness or not. So he uses a really interesting analogy for homesickness. He describes it as a swimming pool. So at first it's uncomfortable, like when you get right in, it's kind of cold, but the more that you swim, the more comfortable you feel and the more you enjoy it. I like this analogy, but it kind of conflicts with my own experiences of homesickness. Um, It kind of conflicts with yours too, actually. Mm -hmm. It does. So I've mentioned the Netherlands a lot this episode. (laughs) We'll probably have to do an episode on this eventually. But I lived there for several months. um, And I remember that I didn't feel homesickness for like the first three months at all especially because I was quite familiar with Dutch culture already. And I was like super enamored and thrilled to be living there, Um, especially because like my life had been characterized by all these stories of this place by my family. So I really felt like there wasn't a space to feel homesick. homesick. Um, There was definitely a distinct moment though when I felt frustration over like really minor things, which were usually cultural. And that made me miss Canada. And I remember thinking that it was really strange because I didn't think of the Netherlands and Canada as like really different. They're both like, I don't know, they just seem the same to me. They're not. Like, (laughs) obviously they're not. But I just didn't think you could experience culture shock in a country that has so many similarities. Um, one, One thing that I remember like made me homesick was the land being really flat. I remember one day sitting on the train like going down the countryside, I was traveling from one city to another and looking at the landscape and just thinking like, it's so flat and feeling really (laughs) upset about it because I grew up in Canada, like mountains and like the land is different, but the Netherlands truly is just like pure flat. There's not really forests. It's just cows, just cows and grass. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like feeling frustrated about it, which is a really silly and minute thing. But for me, like that was a feeling of homesickness. It happened again when I was on a long haul backpacking trip. And this same thing, it was a couple months in. um, And I had like a two week period where I felt really sad and disconnected, didn't talk to other travelers didn't even talk to like people at home just like kept to myself the whole time 
Um, and I remember in that moment, like really longing to go home. And it came in waves about every three months. And I remember talking to another backpacker at one point, and she was like, yeah, it's like that for me too. Like every three months or so, I have like a week or two where I just like have deep longing. So like, what do you think of this guy's description of homesickness? I kind of disagree with it. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of with you on the on the swimming pool, on, on, not, like, on not agreeing with the swimming pool analogy because, yeah, same, same thing. I feel like when you're in a new place, like the first little while is kind of exciting. So you're just kind of, so I would, I would say it's more, like if you want to use a swimming pool, I'd say the first few months, like you're like jumping in and like splashing mm-hmm. around and having a great time. And it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, this is all new and fun and exciting. <laughs> and then after a few, like 10 minutes in the swimming pool, all of a sudden you're like, oh, like, it's actually kind of cold. And like, oh, like I'm starting to shiver a little bit. Maybe I just want to get out and like go like sunbathe on the deck. Yeah, true. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> Yeah. The swimming pool doesn't, like, we can change the way we approach the swimming pool. Yeah, like, I dive right into the swimming pool, and then uh, oh, I after don't. all, I'm just like, oh. I'm always like, no way am I getting in that pool. <laughs> always. You just but, need warmer pools, like yeah, Canadians. <laughs> just turn it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, the other thing he mentions, and this is another thing I just disagree with, is I feel like he's implying that you're homesick because you long for stability Mm. and that's like contrary to my experience because living in the Netherlands I was very stable I had like an apartment I had like a great life it was very stable I was like talking to my parents every day there was nothing like not stable or constant about it and he kind of implies that like that's what causes you to feel homesick is like this longing for stability Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I would also disagree with that like, even now, I my whole experience in Canada has been, I mean, in terms of an immigration experience and story, it's been very easy uh, for me. And I've met people and made friends quickly. And I have very long-term friends. Like, I have friends. The people who I met at McGill in 2011 are still my roommates. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it doesn't really get more stable than that. Like, I have a community here. I have a partner. I have a job. I have contacts. I have everything that you might need. Uh, and yet I still, like, homesickness still comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kind of instigated by things that might appear silly at the time, but I think they're just kind of little pointers and, and just little pressure points mm. that if it, if they're, like, daily little pressure points at one point, you're just, just kind of, it overflows. Um, is there any ever, is there ever anything about Canadians that bothers you? <laughs> <laughs> about Canadians, like, as people? Yes. Oh, that's still a trick question. No, I legitimately want to know. Like, I'm curious. I can take it. <laughs> like, my friends might listen or is there something like bureaucratic? Mm. It doesn't have to be mean. Just be like, yeah. this is different and it bothers me. Yeah. That's okay. Okay, I might start like bigger and then go down to specifics. Like one thing that one thing that bothers me just about like the way things are organized. Uh, might be just like how organized they are. I remember really missing just a bit of chaos when I first moved here. And especially in Montreal, I remember at one point, like it was maybe like my first week there and I went to like go on the bus and I just didn't even notice the lineup for the bus. And like, yeah, there were people standing there. I was like, oh, like, I don't know what they're doing there. And I just kind of got on and people were just like so mad. It's like, hey, what are you doing? You're like, get back in the line. It's like, oh, okay. Like, that's just, I mean, it's not like there's no lines in Mexico. But just like the, the way things are organized, I really missed chaos. I, I wanted 
something to go wrong. I wanted something <laughs> to be ridiculous. I just wanted something to just, I don't know, just something <laughs> to happen. And and even just like in the streets, like I, I find it's so clean and like, and I and I get it, but but there's not that much going on. Like you don't have street vendors, you don't have people, you don't have that much life like in the streets themselves mm. and in public places themselves. Mm. I find most of life is organized uh, inside, unless you're going hiking and stuff. But then it's kind of a solo thing, or just with your friends. Yeah. So it's not like the streets and the outdoor spaces aren't dynamic um, in the same way. Mm. Um, so I miss kind of the brightness and the smells and the colors and the messiness and the people bumping into you and not apologizing, just like bump into me. It's okay. You don't have to say you're sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's normal. I get it. (laughs) Like, like I was saying, like my partner and I love India and and there's some people that really have zero desire to go there because it's chaos, but that's what we love about it. Mm -hmm. It, There's so much energy like all the time and there's always people to interact with and there's always things happening and smells and just like, there's this sort of like vibrancy that I find Canadian cities do lack. Mm-hmm. Unless you're at a street festival or something. Even then it's super yeah. organized. You have like the beer I park. Know. You have to like, if you're on a beer, you have to be like in this little fenced in area. It's like, come on. True. <laughs> Relax. Yeah, we need more chaos. Should we <laughs> just start chaos. chaos like this summer? Yeah, yeah let's start some let's chaos go out there. in the city. <laughs> yeah. I knew that I was becoming too Canadian when I was on a bus and this super drunk girl was just like, stumbling around and she elbowed me in the face and I apologized. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, my face was in your way. My bad. And I was like, oh, no, it's happened. I've been here too long. Yeah. Um, all right, tell us some more. Some more? Some yeah. more things? <laughs> You've opened up the Pandora's box. <laughs> you, have you ever talked about this with anyone? I love it, yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I, I mean, I love, I love, like, I do love Canada. I really do. And I, I love Canadians. But it's just, it's those kind of things. But mostly what I, I just wish in this, and it's the same kind of thing with the chaos. Like I wish um, there was a little bit more playfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the same way that a city can be playful and kind of loose and and moving and, and vibrant the way you described it, I think human relationships can be that way too. And they can, you know, you can kind of, I, I, I kind of want to challenge the the sort of boundaries that that I see uh, Canadians put up and my friends put up in terms of, you know, friendship, relationship, kind of interactions and touch and this idea that you you only really have physical contact with somebody who you're in a relationship with or who's your partner. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, then, like, that's not a thing and you have kind of your bubble. And I want to challenge that and where that comes from and and just... I don't know, yeah. And kind of break down some barriers. Is that very Canadian to you that we do that? We do put, like, I do find we put, like, very boxed boundaries around, like, different kinds of relationships that we have. Mm -hmm. But I've never known if that's cultural. Yeah, well, even, I mean, I I can only compare it from what I I know. And so if I think of both my French and my Mexican background, in both of those cultures, you you have more flexible like it's not like and I don't want to I mean I don't want it to sound and that's the thing like as soon as I say this I, I think people are gonna think like oh I'm not gonna like make out with my friends or just like what is she talking about and that's yeah. not what I'm saying but even in France um you know you have the kiss on the cheek or you have the hug and I feel like introductions even to strangers because you're you're kissing right away like already something is kind there's of there's warmth yeah there's warmth and and, and this kind of distance is is mm. kind of you move past that. Mm. Um, whereas here, I feel like it just takes longer. 
and you and you maybe never even get there. Like like things are just more formalized, both in city, like architecture and structure, and in and in relationships. And that's something that that I miss. It's interesting you say this because I've mentioned this before, but I really loved the first time I went traveling. I was in hostels, and hostels have a very social element to them a lot of it is like because people are traveling often alone so if you're going to have social interaction you really have to put yourself out there so you have to go into the common room and make a friend Mm -hmm. because that's the only way you're going to have any kind of human interaction and a lot of the people that I'm still really close with I have met in a hostel known them for like a week max (laughs) and we're still like writing to each other um, I have a great friend, Lotim. I'm doing a little shout out to Lotim because <laughs> I know she listens. And we spent like literally like six years ago, we spent a couple days in a hostel together and we're dear friends now. And when I compare that to my life here, you're absolutely right. I wonder what it is about like being in that situation where I'm more willing to like go out on a limb and put myself out there and be more open with people. Like why do I give in to that like very controlled approach to like friendships and relationships here Mm -hmm. it is kind of weird it is it's a thing Mm -hmm. yeah but you're right like maybe it's not just a strictly Canadian thing but but it's something I have noticed and Mm -hmm. I mean and I've started doing it too and because it's hard to to go against kind of the grain and and I understand also that people might have boundaries or or there's like a sense of discomfort and and it's what you're used to and so it's not like I want to put anybody in like this awkward situation Mm -hmm. Uh, but it, it is something I've I've noticed it's an interesting observation. I'm curious what other people would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you always know you'd be in Canada long term? At what at what point did you think I might be here for life? Oh God! If it's gonna be <laughs> for life. <laughs> okay. At what point, okay. Really... Let me rephrase this question. That Am was I really to extreme. <laughs> no. And where's the key? You're stuck here. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, what have I got myself into? <laughs> okay. Did you always know you'd be in, in I was going to say Toronto, but more like Canada. Yeah. When you came here, what did you think? Like, were you like, oh, yeah, I'm going back to Mexico in like six months? Definitely. I, when I came here, I thought, I'm going to do my undergrad here and then I'm going to leave and it'll be fun and then I'll be somewhere else. Hmm. And I didn't necessarily think, and then I'll go back to Mexico, although I think a part of me always expected that I would go back. Uh, but I thought, and then maybe I'll live over there and maybe I'll move over here. Like I always had this idea that I would be, that I would be moving and like living in many different countries uh, or many different places. I mean, to some extent I have, like Ontario is very different from BC, which is very different from Montreal. Yeah. And then I also lived in Paris. So, I mean, yes, I have. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But uh, it really wasn't my plan to be here long term and it just kind of happened. And I think, uh, I mean, I think honestly it happened because I, I met somebody that I love and mm-hmm. I'm still with that person. And so it was kind of a love, a love move. Mm-hmm. Um, so at one, at one point, I, yeah, I had to decide, well, do I want to be with them or, or not? And not that they're not willing to move to Mexico, but they don't speak Spanish and all this stuff. And it just like seems more complicated. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't think it's fully sunk in that, that I've been here for so long or that this is kind of probably where my life is going to be and that's why when people ask me you know oh like are you going to apply for citizenship like a, a bit of me is a bit resistant because uh because it feels like a big commitment mm-hmm. and I guess I haven't made it consciously yet but 
know. Well, I never... Uh, this is just something I've never had to, like, grapple with, like, what that would feel like. I think I've always assumed that it's very, like, nonchalant of a decision to make, when really it's not. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, that's a huge place of privilege. I've never had to, like, question my own. I'm very happy with, like, my Canadian passport, so... I've never considered it not to say that like you're not happy being Mm -hmm. a Mexican citizen but like now you have this opportunity Mm -hmm. and that would be really difficult because like do you ever think what does this mean like for my Mexican identity yeah definitely I do and I and I grapple and I've grappled with that more recently I've been challenged by a few poems and by a few conversations about about identity and about nationality uh, in particular. Mm-hmm. And and in, at this point right now, <laughs> I know I'm on this podcast to speak to my Mexican identity, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm struggling with, with I'm struggling with that. Like what does it mean to be from a place? And and yeah, I I never lived so yeah, I never lived in France really, but my family is French. Does it make me more French or you know, like I grew up and was born in Mexico, but my family isn't Mexican. Does like like what does it mean to be from a place mm. and to have an identity? And soon, you know, I'm coming up to a third. What I don't know math again. I'm coming up to like eight years in Canada. That's a significant amount of time. But does yes. that mean that I have all of a sudden a Canadian identity? And if I were to apply for this passport, am I Canadian? Like it just seems like at what point yeah. are you Canadian? Yeah. Air quotes. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get into this a little bit more in the next half of the podcast. Um, Just to wrap up, like, about homesickness. Mm -hmm. Do you think that your feelings of homesickness were increased when you thought about, like, longevity here? Mm. Did that, is there a connection between, like, thinking, like, if you think to yourself, oh, I'm going to go home next year, or, like, back to Mexico next year, do you feel less homesickness? Mm, That's a good question. Kind of. The the longest amount of time I was away from Mexico was about a year. And by the end of that, I was kind of itching to go back. And, and it's funny, like, what, what what triggers it? Like, even just smells. Like, all of a sudden, I'll smell something, and my mind will just be straight in Mexico, and, and it'll just ache. I'll just be like, oh, like, I just want to be there so badly. Um, and that happens for France, too, even though I've only really spent summers there. Like, if I smell uh, a fresh baguette getting cooked, all of a sudden, it's like, bam, I'm in the south of France, and I can just, like, feel it. And it just feels so different, and it smells so different. I can just, like, really, my mind can really go there. But what I found helps and and one of the reasons living in Victoria was hard for me was that it was the one place where I didn't have any friends from Mexico or from Latin America Mm. Uh, like there was really no one there who I knew who was from there whereas in Montreal I actually a lot of my high school friends ended up moving in Montreal so I had a community there and in Paris when I lived there for a year I had a big community of friends there as well so so that made it easier because I would meet up for drinks with them and we'd be you know, speaking in Spanish, and, and I'd be my, like, Mexican self, and it would just be great and kind of a great touch point. Uh, and what I'm finding here in Toronto is that I've actually uh, recently touched into, like, a Latino community, and it's been really, really nice. And so I feel like that's going to make things just way easier. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening in to part one of this episode. In the next episode, we're going to talk a little more specifically about immigration. And then Annabelle is going to share some insider tips about Mexico City. So catch you on the flip side.